Hey, Bridge family. Craig here. I'm one of the pastors and elders of this church, and I love you guys so much. Uh, I've been around behind, kind of behind the scenes for about eight years now, and um, just want to let you guys know today's going to be a little bit of a different Sunday. Uh, we have some significant stuff that some of you may or may not already know uh, that's going on in the life of our church. And so uh, with that said, I want to introduce one of our elders. He's going to share some news with you guys. And as he does this, uh, I just want to encourage anybody who's new or newer at our church, or maybe anybody who's just kicking the tires on this Jesus thing, just soak it all in and just look at the display of what the gospel actually does for our lives and uh, what love looks like, uh, maybe even in times of change or times of transition. So with that said, I'm going to pass it off to uh, Brandon Hiltabital. All right. Good morning, guys. Good to see you. Um, so about four months ago, I knew that I was going to have to give some really difficult news to my three little girls. Uh, I knew they were going to, I knew they were going to cry a lot. I knew they were going to take it really hard. And that's because I had to tell them that one of our chickens that they had named Pastor Josh had been eaten by a fox in our backyard. It's a true story. And I only tell that story so that you guys know that this is, the not, this is not the first time that I've had to share sad news about Pastor Josh. <laughs> I have been here before. We are going to be fine. Uh, so many of you know, uh, saw the announcement that we uh, sent out this week. And uh, what I want to do is just fill everybody in, uh, talk a little bit about some of the, the facts that I think that we all need to know, and just really just help us process this moment in the life of our church. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Josh let us know, let the elders know, that a church whose pastor, who has been a mentor of Josh for quite a while, uh, this pastor is retiring, and this church sought Josh out to be the next pastor of their church. And at first, he said no. Uh, And actually, he said no twice. Uh, but the Lord has worked in them over the last little bit and Josh and Jana, he's led them to know that even though this is not something that they thought they wanted, that this is a move that God is asking them to make. And so Josh, who has been our pastor for the last 10 years, uh, is going to be leaving us and going to, to lead a new, uh, lead a, in a new season for him, lead a significant ministry in Dallas and continue to serve the Lord in incredible ways in another city. And that's really how we need to look at it today. I'm one of my best friends on earth. We're, I'm looking at it as we're sending someone to change people's lives and blow them up with gospel bombs. That's how I'm looking at it. And I have to look at it that way because <laughs> I've cried a lot. And I've seen Josh and Jana cry a lot the last couple of weeks. Um, and that's because this is, this is crazy, right? This, this doesn't happen. Pastors of churches like this, in seasons like this, don't leave, ever. We can't think of an example unless God is moving them. So God is asking Josh and Jana to go to Dallas, and he's going to use them mightily there. And he is going to lead us to new leadership for a new season of impact for our church. We're excited about this, guys, the, the, the things that are coming for both of these two churches. So I can't touch on everything uh, right now in this moment, but I do want to share three things with you. And the first is, and I hope, I hope this could go without saying, but the elders do not want this to happen. Uh, it's been, 
an absolute honor for us to lead this church with Josh. I love him so much. Uh, we, we're not asking him to leave. We asked him to stay. But above all, we always ask that the Lord will give us strength to go wherever he tells us to go. And that's what's happening today. Uh, secondly, this is going to be the last Sunday that Josh is on this stage with us. Uh, and I didn't want you guys to think that he gave us a two-week notice. Um, he essentially gave us an open-ended notice. Uh, but the reason, there are a couple reasons that we're moving as quickly as we're moving. First is just that the, the mission of God through the church of God is too important. Like, if God is calling Josh to Dallas, he needs to go to Dallas, and he needs to lead. And if God is calling us into a new season of leadership, then we need to get after it. The mission of the church is too important for us to linger over something like this. The reason we're doing it specifically this fast is we wanted to be able to have integrity with our No More Fatherless offering. Uh, We want to be a church that is open and honest, and we could not have Josh come up and say, guys, please give sacrificially to this massive mission. And then a couple weeks from now, we say, by the way, Josh is going to Dallas. Uh, The mission of the church is more important than us having Josh and Jana for a couple more weeks. And being a church that is open and honest with each other is more important than having a big no more fatherless offering. But we are still going to have a big no more fatherless offering (laughs) next Sunday. And number three, just a a couple of things about the path forward. So we're already putting together a team to find the next leader for our church. Um, And I just want to put this into your heart. If God loves Lake Point Church in Dallas enough to send them Josh Howerton then he loves us enough for us to believe that he's going to send us exactly the guy that he wants to lead us in this next season. We know that it's coming. We're going to find it. Thank God. Uh, in, in the meantime, the elders have asked uh, Pastor Craig McCown to lead our staff and Pastor Chris Dolberry to lead our teaching team. So you be praying for those two men. And there's going to be more information about all of this coming in, in, the, in the next few days and weeks. But let's focus on this moment right now for a moment. Josh is about to come up for the last time. It's crazy. Um, and as I thought about this moment this week, my, I remembered uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and Ecclesiastes tells us this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And I, I have felt everything. <laughs> The last couple of weeks, I've felt so many feelings. You have felt and are feeling so many things. Josh and Jana have felt and are feeling so many things. And God made us that way. There is a time and there is a place to feel what we feel. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time to weep. Church, the tears that we cry and are crying and will cry over Josh and Jana are not misplaced. It's okay. A week and a half ago, my wife and I sat in their house and sobbed for hours. The four of us just weeping over the separation that's coming. It was their youngest daughter's four-year-old birthday party. The saddest four-year-old birthday party in the history of planet Earth. But there's a time to cry. 
Uh, Ecclesiastes also says there is a time to mourn, and we all mourn the dreams that we shared together for this place. We mourn the sermons that we won't hear. We mourn that we won't have this family that we love walking with us anymore. There is a time to mourn. Ecclesiastes also says there is a time to refrain from embracing. I take that to mean that it is okay for us to harbor hard feelings in our heart toward the city of Dallas toward probably the larger state of Texas for the foreseeable future. I may not be expositing that text correctly. Check me on that. Uh, Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time to laugh. Toward that end, I offer you this picture. This is Pastor Josh holding Pastor Josh the chicken. May he rest in peace. Uh, Columbia, I want you guys to know that we also had a chicken named Featherstone, and he was seriously a very handsome chicken. So there's a time to laugh, there's a time to smile, there's a time for us to remember the moments that we've shared with Josh and Jana. But lastly, Ecclesiastes tells us that there is a time to love. I didn't cry the first two services. For the last 10 years, this church has experienced the love of Josh and Jana. They have loved this church. They have sacrificed for this church. More importantly, we have all experienced the love of God through this church for this season that God has allowed Josh to lead this church. The gospel blew up my life in this church. The words that I use, this is true, the words that I use to preach to my own soul. I got from Josh in this church over the last six and a half years. And that's true for so many of you. The gospel has changed our lives through their ministry in this place. So this is a time for us to be loved by God and for us to love Josh and Jana in return. So what we really have right now is a convergent moment in time. This is a time to weep and a time to mourn and a time to laugh, and a time to love. So we're going to love them well. We're going to get this right right now. Josh and Jan are about to take the stage for the last time, and we're going to clap for them like our clapping is driving the very love of Jesus deeper into into their hearts, okay? So one last time, let's welcome Pastor Josh and Jana to the stage. Look what you're doing to me. Oh, man. I love you all so much. And, um, you know, in some ways, I've been really looking forward to, to, morning cause, uh, to this morning because I can say whatever I want. What are you going to do? Fire me? You know? <laughs> um, really, really, what we want to do is we just want to be able to say uh, how much we love you. And, um, and there's a few things that Jan and I realized, man, we really want to be able to say to our church um, with this, this moment that we have. 
Um, it may be, uh, you may notice we may get a l- little emotional, uh, same drill as last week. If we get emotional, you start clapping, that'll confuse us, and then we'll stop crying, and that'd be great. And, um, and, and it may get a little choppy. You know, we're going to tag team this thing. If she gets emotional, I'll pick up. If I get emotional, she'll pick up. Um, but before we do anything, let me just say this. Um, if you are new or newer here, let me just say, you picked the perfect week to be here. Because you're about to see how much this church loves each other and what an amazing place this is. So if you're newer, newer, you may be going, why am I here? This is a perfect week for you to be here. So we're just going to get kind of, kind of straight to it. Um, there are four things that we've realized, like, man, we really want to say this to our church um, uh, as, we, as we leave. And so here we go. Four things. Okay. Number one, Bridge Church. And I... Can't make it through this. <laughs> you haven't even started. You didn't even start. <laughs> there you go. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> we love you so much. In the past 10 years have been the greatest years of our lives. It has been our joy and privilege to serve you. Yeah. Um, so for the last 10 years, when you've heard me say, you're stuck with me. <laughs> you're stuck with me till I retire, I die, or they fire me. We meant that with our whole hearts as a hope before the Lord. And what we've learned is that there's a reason that the Bible says, do not say what you will do tomorrow because your tomorrows do not belong to you. And um, these have been. We would never, ever in our wildest imagination have ever thought about being anywhere but here if we didn't know that that's what the Lord was calling us to. From the time God called me to ministry when I was 13, there was a sentence I read in a book that somebody gave me that encapsulated what was in my heart. When I was 13, I read the sentence, I despaired the thought that I should die and not see God work mightily on my behalf. And now, 22 years later, I feel like Simeon from Luke chapter 2, even though I'm only 35. After what I've seen at the bridge, I feel like I can truly say, now I can die in peace for my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. You may have to do this. <laughs> wait, wait. Um, what, makes this, what makes this so hard for us is just the very obvious sense that we get that we're missing out on this great move of God that's really just beginning and that all the best of it is still yet to come. So number one, the last 10 years of our lives, they've been the best 10 years of our lives. Okay, now number two, let me have a a final pastoral moment with you as your pastor. And what I would just urge you to do is for every disciple of Christ, I would just urge you, to stay a living sacrifice before the Lord with everything that you have. Um, you know, it's, it's been encouraging to us, and a, a, lot of, a lot of you, you've been so kind to us. And people have grabbed us with big bear hugs and excitedly, congr- you know, congratulate us. Josh, congratulations. So excited about this amazing opportunity that you have. You must be so excited. And what I always want to say is, that's not how this feels. <laughs> uh, that's not how this feels. I'm succeeding a pastor who's been at his church 40 years, and things have gone absolutely amazing. There's a word for what I'm about to do. They literally call it the sacrifice pastor. <laughs> um, the guy who comes in after the, the legend, and uh, everybody hates him, and they fire him, and you know that kind of thing. And, uh, and those words, the, the sacrifice pastor, that's something that I've realized, uh, not in the sense that they mean it, but I'm going to make that my title. And my, my job is to be a living sacrifice before him. And that's your job too. And so I want you to know 
we would never have considered this unless the Lord was, was doing it. In fact, when we met with our elders for the first time, one of their elders asked us the question, why do you want this job? And my response was, oh, we don't. <laughs> we don't. We simply see some signs that the Lord might be calling us here and, and we have to be obedient to what he has. In fact, this is very much felt like the death of, of many things that are dear to us. One thing that I personally just really wrestled with was, Lord, isn't this the Howerton heritage? Josh's dad planted the bridge. We've been here the last 10 years. Like, I, I just don't understand what you might be doing. And like, the Lord is so kind and so good, and he always answers. And he, he just reminded me of Psalm 16:5, and it says, the Lord is my heritage. So God really had to show me the bridge is not our heritage, but he is. Mm-hmm. And we had a rest in that. So here's... Here's what I want you to hear. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. And when I'm done, I'm going to tell you why I told you the story, and you'll see. Um, let, me, let me tell you how God spoke to us to, to call us to something we thought was unthinkable. Um, there was one day, not too long ago, this has all happened so fast, that um, Jana came into our bathroom crying, and she'd been in her prayer journal that morning, and there was a verse that read off the page to her. And that's how God will often speak to us. He'll give us a word in his word. And she came in and said, man, Josh, I'm really scared because I think this might be something the Lord is speaking to me. And what he'd done is it was the verse from Isaiah 43. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? I will make rivers flow in the desert and dry sea, you know, all of that. And she was like, Josh, I'm so scared. It feels like the voice of the Lord. And I was like, babe, that's not the voice of the Lord. You know, and I just, that's a very famous verse. Everybody says that verse, of course, in your prayer journal. The very next day. We walked into a church service, and somebody in that church service stood up, and, and they said, man, as I was preparing for this service, there was a verse that as I was praying, the Lord laid on my heart, and this verse is for someone who will be at this service today. And he immediately began quoting Isaiah 43. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? And, and, and we received that as, as possibly from the Lord. Now, uh, there came a day just about a week later where Jan and I just got to this spot where we were just like so torn. We were like, God, we'll just do whatever you want us to do. We just need you to tell us whatever you want us to do. And we knelt down on our bedroom floor crying. And we just said, God, would you just tell us? The following things happened all in the same day, starting about 10 minutes after that prayer. About 10 minutes after that prayer, a message was sent to my phone that said, quoted 1 Corinthians 16, 9. It said, a wide door for effective service has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries. And then the message said, would we today consider this an oxymoron? Let's pray not. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God's will. A sign of God's will is not ease of service. About one hour later, um, I walked into the bridge. And um, if you are the person in this church that said this to me, know that you are not the reason I'm leaving. But someone who said something to me that they didn't know was the Lord speaking to me through them. Two men had preached powerful sermons here at the bridge, and this person just put their hand on my shoulder that morning, and they said, man, Josh, if you were gone tomorrow, I think we'd be just fine. About 10 minutes after that, um, another person from the church grabbed me, and they gave me a warning. And they didn't know why they were giving me a warning. They gave me a warning. And they said, Josh, make sure that you don't become the man who's looking for a sign when God has already spoken to you. A few hours later, a friend, uh, one of my closest friends in the whole world, um, that I was really struggling with the thought of, of leaving, called me, and my friend said, Josh, I felt like I just needed to tell you that you have freedom to do whatever the Lord calls you to do, and you need to do that as your friend. I'm encouraging you to do whatever the Lord calls you to do. 
About an hour after that, an older pastor that's like my pastor, he called me and uh, he was explaining to me how God speaks to him. And this is what he said. He said, when God speaks to me, he gives me a passage that I know is for me. It will read off the page. He'll give me a word in his word. Has he done anything like that for you and Jana? And then he said, Josh, if God is truly calling you away, if you try to stay, you'll mess everything up. Because there is some man out there that God has been preparing his entire life to, to be his chosen instrument in this moment. That's no longer you. And who are you to stand in the way of the living God? Um, a few days later, you know, one of our biggest fears about all this was telling our two daughters. Um, they, they don't do well with change. Um, we replaced our stove last month, and our oldest daughter, Eliana, cried for two days. <laughs> you know, that's... Um, and so we just prayed, Lord, you know, if you're going to do this, we need you to do a miracle in our girls' lives. The next morning after we prayed that, Eliana woke up and came downstairs and she said, Mom, can we move to Texas? We'd never spoken about this with her. Mom, can we move to Texas? And Janice said, why? And she said, well, last night I had a dream that Daddy moved to Texas to be a pastor and that Hudson, the son that we're adopting right now, and that Hudson was there, not here, and that's why we haven't gotten him yet. Now, let me finish that story. Many of you read that story in the blog post we shared a week ago. 36 hours ago, we haven't shared this with anybody, 36 hours ago, a birth mom with a son that we may adopt contacted us, and this may not happen, still up in the air, but she contacted us about a son that that we may potentially adopt. And when we asked where she was from, she was from Texas. The Holy Spirit is real. When we've baptized people at the bridge for the last 10 years, Every time we baptize someone, we ask them two questions. We've asked you the question, do you believe that Jesus accomplished everything necessary for your salvation? And then when you say yes, we ask you the question, and because of that, are you willing to go wherever he asks you to go? And are you willing to do whatever he asks you to do? As a disciple of Jesus, our answer to that question has to always be yes. Even if you don't understand it, even if at first you don't want it, our answer to that always has to be yes. So Bridge Church, we just want to commission you. Is God speaking to you directly and asking you to step out in faith and doing, do something that would be incredibly hard from you, some, for you, something that you don't understand? And if he is, we just ask you to do that thing. And just you may not understand God's hand, but you can trust his heart, and we just ask you to step out in faith. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, number three. <laughs> number three, we just want you to know there is so much more that God is going to do at the bridge. <laughs> there is so much more. The hardest thing about this for us is knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're missing out on all the bridge's best days. Can I remind you of something that everyone in this room knows with their mouth, but there may be a few people in this church that, that just need a reminder for their heart. Guys, Jesus built this church, not Josh. <laughs> I did not build this church. And let, let me just say this. Not all of you are in this spot, but if you are in this spot, The extent to which you look at this moment and think that the bridge is in crisis, that's the extent to which you've put your trust in the wrong person. This church has always been founded upon a promise Jesus made 2,000 years ago when he said, I, I will build my church. And it's always been him. Um, Let me share with you a story from uh, that we received yesterday from uh, a young woman who was saved in this church. Her name is Clara. She was a foreign exchange student from Germany came from a family that didn't believe in God, came here, met Christ, gave her life to Christ, and now she's back there, uh, and she sent a a story from her life. Now, 
when I do this, you try to connect the dots of the story to figure out why I'm telling it. And then when I'm done, I'll connect the dots for you. This is what she said. She said, the first thing that I experienced was the unity of the people at your church. And God began to move on my heart. And then in September, I went on a student ministry weekend. And there, I decided to trust Jesus as my Savior. About one month later, uh, on Sunday, November the 7th, there was a sermon about propitiation. That night, I was able to talk to my host mom, and I had a breakthrough in my life. The sermon after propitiation was sanctification. And at that time, I could just see the change in my life. At the same time, I started reading John for counseling. uh, And after that, Proverbs and part of Romans, she was reading her Bible for the first time in her life. And she said, I talked to my host mother, and she had just the right words for me at a pivotal moment in my life. And then she said later, uh, on, uh, this happened on Saturday. On Sunday, we had the sermon, Imagine a Church That Fights for Joy at the Bridge. I could see that God was speaking to me in that way, and I decided to be baptized at the bridge. The baptism took place on Sunday, December 16th. And then she said, With what's happening now, I have tremendous peace. Because as it says in Romans 8.28, now remember, this is somebody who's been a Christian for a month. As it says in Romans 8.28, We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose, okay? Now, can I connect some dots for you? Think about this. Not one thing that happened in her life. Think about this. So she said the first thing she experienced was the unity of the church. That was you. In September, she went on a student ministry weekend. That was the student ministry. The sermon on propitiation was preached by Pastor Chris Dalberry. The sermon on sanctification was preached by Pastor Daniel Montgomery. Then she started reading John, Proverbs, and Romans. That was the Bible. And then the sermon called Imagine a Church That Fights for Joy. That was preached by Pastor Brandon Hiltabottle. And then she read Romans 8, 28. That was the Bible. Not one single thing that God used in her life was Josh. All of it was Jesus working through this entire body to change this person's heart. Guys, it's always been Jesus. The whole time, it's always been Jesus. Just as it says in, in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, Paul planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And that's what's always been true for the bridge. Rick planted, Josh watered, but the whole time it was God that gave the increase. 2,000 years ago, Jesus made a promise. He said, I, I will build my church. Not Rick, not Josh, not Stone, not Craig, not a pastor or a leader. He said, I will build my church. And guess what that means? Is that the man who made the bridge what it is today, he ain't going anywhere. <laughs> he is here. He is here. And he has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. Even think about No More Fatherless. Guys, we didn't come up with No More Fatherless. All we did was give a name to what was already happening in this church. So there is so much more that is to come here at the bridge. This has been a time filled with it so much grief for us and I just remember one day when I realized that got what God was going to require of us and I was sitting on our bedroom floor just crying and God reminded me of what I had read a few weeks earlier in read the book um, where David and Bathsheba are about to lose their son and he's about to die and David is just filled with grief and anguish and um, then the son dies and then Um, He gets up, and he washes his face, and he worships God. And I felt like God had said to me, Jana, losing the bridge is like losing a child for you. But I am, you can grieve now, but I'm going to ask you to stand up and to wash your face and then worship me for what I'm about to do in your life. 
And we want to say the same thing to you. You emotionally may not be in the same place as where I was, but I want you to stand up and worship God for what he is about to do in your midst because he's going to do amazing things through this church body. Amen. Amen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing we want to say is if you're new here and you don't have a church body and you're just trying to figure out if this is the church for you, we want to tell you you would be crazy Crazy. not to make this your church home. You're crazy. If you are new or newer here and you're like, man, I don't know if I want to be a part of a church uh, with this transition going on, you're insane if you don't make this your church. Um, and, And let me tell you why. Um, guys, unfortunately, many of you know this. As some churches, when you see behind the curtain and you see how leaders operate or, or decisions are made, seeing behind the curtain at, at lots of churches makes you want to run. At this church, the more you see behind the curtain, the more desperately you want to stay. In our moments of deepest brokenness and sin, it was the leaders from this church that were people that we felt safe to run to for help and that we knew we didn't have to run from in fear of judgment. And when our family couldn't afford two adoptions, this church stepped forward and literally gave us a family. Um, In elders meetings, and I've been in hundreds of them, (laughs) the men don't fight and jockey for power and position. They're men who literally get on their knees and cry out to God in humble prayer. Um, When Jana was at her darkest moment in depression and anger at God with her infertility, it was a woman from this church that showed up on our doorstep and said, my shoulder will be your shoulder to cry on. And she encouraged us with a Bible and she walked with us through a hard time. I've watched staff members at this church turn down hundreds of thousands of dollars because they love you and they want to serve you and disciple you to Jesus. Um, When our oldest daughter... Uh, When our youngest daughter was struggling with her place in this world because of her adoption, it was a bridge kids ministry volunteer that wrote her a postcard from their vacation in Disney World telling her that she was loved and that she was missed and that she'd be back next week to see her. Uh, This is a church where a prayer service is the largest service this church has ever had. Um, When Felicity, our youngest, was in the hospital for weeks with her surgeries early in life, These people asked if they could babysit our oldest daughter, Eliana, for as long as she needed, for days upon days, so that Jana could take care of grocery shopping and being with Felicity. And when a thousand other churches would have gotten distracted by wealth, power, politics, or success, this church for 14 years has had one cry, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to love him more. That has always been what this church is about. So listen... Listen, if you are new or newer here, you are about to see an outpouring of God's spirit on this church unlike anything you have ever seen. And you're insane if you don't make this your church. And so Bridge family, for the last time together, can we applaud the one who made the bridge what it was yesterday, what it is today, and who will make the bridge what it is in the future? Jesus Christ, our great Lord. Would you do that with me right now? Bridge family, uh, we definitely do not, we, we don't want this. 
uh, we don't want to do this, but we are going to pray over you because we need to. These, uh, our staff and our elders have already had the, the privilege to pray over them and bless them and send them out. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this. God's been doing a work in, uh, these are, this is our leadership team and elders, and he's been doing a work in our hearts during this past couple weeks uh, where we're examining the deep, deep crevices of our own soul, uh, of our own hearts, and going, man, where, like, where are we not trusting Jesus? Uh, I also know this, like, I, I struggled a little bit with some frustration and anger. You know, we fought in the gym the other day, argued. <laughs> it was the worst workout ever. We get, did our shoulder workout, and we just stood there, like, uh, going back and forth, you know, uh, me trying to talk Josh out of, out of leaving. And uh, no, but uh, as I examine my heart, I know one of the reasons why I, I had a little anger and frustration uh, that you were leaving is because one of our staff behaviors is to bleed for the bridge. And uh, God has not called us just to bleed for the bridge. He's called us to bleed for Jesus, our families, and the church, the Big C Church. And uh, for the past 10 years, you guys, like you guys did not see the early days. I I had the privilege of seeing the early days of Josh leading four or five different groups at a time and uh, just grinding as hard as he could uh, for this church. And you guys have bled for our church uh, for over 10 years. And so thank you. Thank you for that. And we're going to send Josh and Jana out by honoring them. And uh, the best way we can honor you guys is by laying our hands on you and praying over you. So we're going to do that. Let's gather around. If you guys can stretch your arms out and let's pray over Josh and Jana and just bless them. Oh, God, we love you. And uh, we are so thankful uh, that we have seen you move in a mighty way. Uh, that We are thankful for Pastor Josh and Jana, uh, that you have used them uh, mightily to advance the gospel, God. I don't even know, God, if I was saved when I got to the bridge, but, uh, <laughs> but you have used uh, this man and, uh, and his wife and their family uh, in a mighty way in our church, and we thank you for that, God. Um, they have poured themselves out uh, for your church. And uh, God, we are so, so thankful. God, we also just pray for their ministry uh, as they go and as they go to Dallas. Uh, God, we ask you to bless them. We ask you to go before them. And uh, God, we ask you to lift them up, uh, bring people to them uh, that can be a support like they have here. Uh, bring elders uh, to that church that are, can support and love them. And God, we pray a blessing over their ministry as they go. Uh, God, we pray that uh, you have, we, we know you've anointed Josh and uh, you have used him as an anointed uh, man of God. And so we pray that you do not lift your hand of anointing as he goes to Dallas. Uh, God, but go before him and let, let them be people that are filled even more with your spirit uh, in the coming days than they were in the past days. Uh, we love you, God, and pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Hey, let's do this. Uh, let's, let's honor Josh and Jana right now by not applauding for them, but thanking Jesus for the work he has done over the last 10 years through our church. So let's do that.